welcome, welcome everybody to the working that is Chrononauts Chronicles. And this is sponsored, of course, by Mystical Wares, which is Derek Condit's shop. But Derek is not with us uh, today, uh, nor are we live. We're, we're usually we're going to try to do this live on Mondays, but uh, this will be coming out on Tuesday as a normal podcast release. So uh, that being said, we do have a full house. We've got all of the other prime chrononauts plus a, a guest chrononaut, uh, Todd Cave. So I guess we'll start with Todd. Todd, thank you for being here. And what's what's going on, man? Well, thanks for having me. And, you know, I'm really glad to be here to, you know, take part in a really expansive conversation because, as you know, you can take conversations many different places, you know. So uh, looking yeah. forward to chatting with the other, um, other guests and stuff. Absolutely. This is uh, something that I've looked forward to putting this uh, together is being able to talk about other topics that aren't so uh, defined by the other podcast that uh, Adam and I do together, which is called 13 Questions. And speaking of Adam Loyal, he is also here with us too. Adam, thank you for joining us. Absolutely, Bill. Anytime. And we have stupendous buddy, Bootsy Greenwood with us here as well. Thank you for joining us, Bootsy. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I just got off the off a set. I was a had an acting gig. I was a a stand-in for Cocaine Bear. I don't know if you've seen that movie trailer. I have not. No, was, uh, I I didn't have any lines. So <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> and uh, that I'm I'm happy to be here, dude. Like. It's, uh, <laughs> there is a movie out called Cocaine Bear. I swear to God, this is. I, I thought that at. was a line of cocaine jokes right there, and that you well, didn't I have was, any lines is why you were. There were several, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, well, I did. I didn't have any lines, but I did a few. You know, it's an eight baller. <laughs> that's, that's how it is. But there is. I swear to God, that's where we're at in society, where there is literally a movie called Cocaine Bear playing at the theaters. That's where we're at. Is it like? Is it? Isn't that how my balls like an idiocracy? Is it? Is it? It's, it, might be, it might be even dumber. Right. <laughs> it might be even, oh my god! But no, dude, stoked to be here. Thank you. And the, the last Chrononaut Prime joining us is Ben Walsmith. Ben, thanks for being here. Yeah, looking forward to it. Looks like a fun table to sit at tonight. Absolutely, we're gonna have some fun. Uh, I've got a little bit of. Neville lined up shorter reading than last time, guys. I do apologize. I figured that was a little bit too long, so this is only a page. But it does tie into uh, what I put together for the second segment of the show where we try to talk about things that uh, something new that we've learned maybe or that has inspired us or has uh, broadened our perspectives. As it's, it's a challenge really for, for me because after all, this is a, it's a, a love spell. This is working, right? It's a working. So we're all together uh, putting out this energy and it's for a positive purpose. And what I've researched for uh, this episode is uh, light bodies. And uh, coming from a scientific perspective of a doctor, I think he was a doctor. He was a professor of uh, theoretical, uh, he was a theoretical biophysicist, doctor, I think it was, a, anyway, Fitz Albert Pop. No, it's Albert Fitz Pop. No, one of those, he's Dr. Pop, right? So the guy's got a cool name to begin with. But uh, yeah, we'll get into that in the second section of the show. But first of all, we're going we're going to talk about gratitude because in this world, well, you you can never have enough gratitude. 
especially in, like I said, in this world. So I thought we would all just share uh, gratitudes. Um, anything that's, that, you know, makes you happy, that brought joy to your life. It can be something super simple or it can be something profound. Um, I'll go first. But uh, the point of this is to uh, not just do it once a week or, you know, once a day even, because anybody can think of, you know, one or three things to be grateful every day. But to try to perpetuate that and to take it with you throughout your day is, is what the challenge is. So this is this will be just like a little reminder for for everybody listening and for everybody here, really, uh, because the spell affects us first, right, uh, of what we're grateful for. Excuse me. So um, mine, mine today was simply e-commerce, the, the ability to, to buy shit online. Um, my day job it deals heavily in e-commerce, so uh, I'm thankful for that one aspect. But the other aspect that's more important that I wanted to bring up was the ability to find services and goods on the internet that you wouldn't be able to source locally. So um, one of those, as, as an example, would be uh, finding a fitness coach in the form of Todd Cave. Todd, Todd is somebody that uh, I ran into on 13 Questions via another guest suggestion. And uh, Todd has an online business built around, well, but Todd, why don't you tell us about compound body training? And then uh, maybe we'll get into your, your talk at Anarchapuco. Sure. Yeah, go ahead. So, yes, I am an online fitness trainer. And I say all the time that I help spiritually inclined people burn fat and build muscle. And the reason why I say that is that uh, I'm a very spiritual person. I had a massive awakening um, which started six years ago. And basically what happened to me is that my entire life changed. I used to live in the UK. When I was there, I was a civil engineer. And I had a really good job and life was great. And then um, <laughs> I had surgery on my foot. And that basically caused a series of dominoes um, to fall in my life. And um, basically, all of those things, when those dominoes fell, um, bit by bit by bit, I started to realize that my life in the UK was coming to trying to find myself. And I came here to Mexico in 2019 for my first Anarchapulco conference. And uh, I had liked it. And I decided that I was going to come back again for another six months. Excuse me. So I did that in 2019. And basically, <clears throat> bit by bit by bit, um, I was shown that definitely my life in the UK is uh, finished. And when I came back in 2020, uh February for Anarchapoco 2020. Um, one month later, the pandemic started, and I found myself being stuck, you can say, because my return flight got cancelled and stuff like that. So, you know, I was like, all right, cool. You know, um, I have six months on my ticket anyway, so I wasn't really stressing. But as the pandemic continued and I was looking at Europe, I started to see more and more definitely <laughs> I'm in a much better place here than going through the pandemic over there so i started to well i was always into fitness but 
I started to 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 do fitness, like to to coach people, because that was one of the things that I saw. Like, I want to say, see, it was like it was shown to me, right? Well, this is the next thing for me to do. So I had to get myself back into shape, and um, during the way of doing that, I got introduced to uh, psychedelics. So my first medicine I ever did was ayahuasca, and that um, basically started to put me on the path to to understand these higher levels of consciousness. And then I got into Bufo Alvarius, so and then um, peyote, and end up doing mushrooms as well. So I've done quite a bit of medicine. So what's happened is that my 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 understanding of the world and what we live in uh, has traumatized. I was able to pierce the veil of perception through the medicine and also heal a lot of fears and traumas that I had. And these are the things that I teach in all of my um, fitness programs because I don't see the human being as just a body. Okay, say, all right, well, eat less or eat more and go and train and you will get into shape. But getting into shape requires a change in mindset. And changing your mindset, you have to have courage to do because of all the subconscious programming that you've had, you will be scared to make changes because human beings are addicted to suffering. So what it is now is that I have like some very bespoke techniques and ways. Well, I was even talking to one of my students today and um you know, he he was struggling with his mindset. And uh, at the end of it, the conversation, he was like, okay, Todd, I'm ready to do this now. Um, you know, I really understand now. Like, I just need to get out of the way, get out of my own way. So I help um, people like hack their minds as well to create new uh, positive subconscious um, programs because <clears throat> our subconscious mind um, is responsible for 90 to 95% of all our thoughts, beliefs, actions, reactions, personality, and way of being. And a lot of our ways of being, fears, and traumas come from our childhood. And it's a matter of me, I try to help people to, to pinpoint certain areas in their life where they said, okay, that is the area where I said to myself, I'm not good enough. Or, you know what I mean? I... I'm a failure or I do, I do, I will never make money or I will always be fat or skinny or whatever, you know, everything comes from our childhood. And, um, I help people to, I basically just like lift up a mirror and ask, uh, questions and get people to see, um, see themselves basically, you know, because a lot of people don't like to look into the mirror and, and see who they really are. And it is true getting into their, their, their own way that they self-sabotage a lot, whether it is self-sabotage in a relationship, a business, or their physical body by eating stuff that they shouldn't eat, which makes them get out of shape, you know? So when I when I coach people, I don't just look at the body. I look at the, the mental aspect, the physical aspect, and then what I say is that when those two get married, and the, the they find their spirit because we are a mind body spirit complex and we need to take care of all three 
which is why I suggest things like meditations and, um, you know, books to read as well to understand these these things. So basically, I'm not just like a normal fitness trainer. But yes, you will get into fantastic shape if you ever work with me. <laughs> and Bill can attest to that. 100%, dude. I was just going to say that. But initially, what drew me to you was your understanding of consciousness and the way that you articulate it and uh, just speak about it in general. Um, when we interviewed you for 13 questions, I think you had mentioned the I Am, the series of I Am books by a guy, Nedna Ballard, about St. Germain or channeled by St. Germain. Through that. Yes. So that was so. Anyway, it was it was that kind of connection that because I was looking for a fitness coach. Like I was I was severely underweight and not eating enough calories, as I learned later. But uh, that was what the, the kind of little synchro that led me to kind of uh, choose you as 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 a coach because that was just something that you know I follow the synchros and Saint Germain's been kind of a, a synchro reoccurring character in my life for a little bit now anyway but uh yeah i I read a number of those uh books and uh you actually sent me a book suggestion yesterday that i put on my list so yeah definitely anybody looking for uh you know an uplifting uh, uplifting physical and spiritual uh, coach experience definitely check todd out um i do think that it's interesting you started in 2019 and that is when Adam and I got together for 13 questions. And that's when the first time Ben and I spoke on the phone, I think was in 2019. So that, and then that's also the time that Derek opened his store was in 2019. So it just seems that everything it's like lining up at that time, which is interesting. Very. And then you don't, everything, everything happens in waves. You spoke next, Adam. <laughs> what are you thankful for? Uh, this, this since last time that we spoke, we it's been two weeks since we recorded uh, an, the uh, inaugural episode. Uh, we'd had uh, Derek wasn't available last week either, so we didn't really have enough people to put on a, a show. So uh, that I just wanted to explain that real quick to anybody that's following along. But uh, Adam, did you have anything you wanted to mention, possibly? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that uh, you know, for myself. Um, just tools of technology. They've been incredibly useful um, to me as of late. I'm putting together some audio reels and stuff for for resume work. And uh, it's just amazing uh, what you can uh, produce within software that, you know, years ago would have required massive amounts of hardware, you know, physically cutting tape to edit and all sorts of crazy things, you know, all the way down to, you know, tools like chat GPT and uh, talking about meals, you know, some things on the internet are uh, impossible to sort through, find a recipe, uh, that's going to suit you. Well, um, I don't know. It was amazing. I, I had a great experience with that the other day, put a recipe in for a simple meatloaf. Okay. Well, here's the things that Angie doesn't like. Here's the things that I don't like redo the recipe without it. Oh yeah. I don't have enough of this ingredient. So redo the recipe for X amount of ingredient. Boom, 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 boom. Cook it on a prayer and a hope. And it comes out amazing. And I don't know, it's, I think we're, we're, we're moving on to a new precipice of society, uh, with some of these, uh, just ways to sort information, you know, uh, you know, that's essentially just spoken word and thoughts at one point being, you know, condensed and retooled or 
you know, a massive software program being able to do one thing, just get a single frequency sound wave out for you to hear. And yeah, I don't know. My last week has just been very software intensive and very thankful for technology in that realm. Dude, especially the the chat GPT software, the in the open AI chat bots and everything. Like that stuff is insane. I've been kind of following it. And apparently Elon Musk wants to slow down the development of this artificial intelligence. But there's also a speed it up camp, right? Like take the training wheels off and go like full force, right? So, do you guys have any insight or pay? I don't know that much about it. So I'm really looking for... <laughs> Sign Idiot. up for an account and test it out, Bill. It's free. Uh, you might get your socks blown off. I don't know if I want to interact with AI. Like that's, I'm, I've been avoiding <laughs> it, honestly. I have used it uh, a few times. Um, it is incredible, to be honest with you, because someone said to me, oh, uh, why don't you test it to see if you can um, make it to build a course in terms of like, the 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 structure of the course. So I typed in online uh, all the things that I wanted, and within about ten seconds, fifteen at most, it just spit out like a whole like set of modules, and I was like, wow. I've even like um, asked it to write like posts for me on Instagram, and um, I pulled out some like paragraphs out of it that was were, were pretty good. Um, the thing about AI is that what Elon Musk is saying is true, right? Because when this thing becomes sentient in the sense where it understands to the point that, well, it is governed by a person inputting data into it, we are actually going to end up having what happened in the Terminator movies. This will start to produce other robots that will hunt us down because think about it right it will it will protect itself from being shut off right and we're that close for it to being sentient now i do agree that it can be useful um but we can't sort of like develop it to the point where we become dependent on it I think that you can use it as a tool because, like I always say, a gun can be used to protect your family or to go and kill a bunch of people. It is the user that is the 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 difference in between the gun being a tool to save or a tool to go and maim and destroy. And I think that with the advance of the technology that we have now, we are becoming more and more reliant on technology. And I think that we can use it to help us, but not to become reliant on it. And this is where we seem to be to be going because right now it is argued is arguable to say that AI already controls our life because we have things like the algorithms that control social media, control the news cycle, control the media. So you can argue and say that we already have uh, influence from it. But with the one that they're building now, this is going to be on steroids. And it is very possible that many professions will end up becoming obsolete. Architects, doctors, lawyers, um, you know, I mean, even like design engineers, you know, 
like people that do like because I was a civil engineer, so you have the contractor that does the physical building, and you have the designers. Designers would could end up losing their jobs because all you would need to do is plug a bunch of um, equations and calculations inside the AI, and you know what I mean. You don't need a person to be there crunching numbers or or looking for like what is the moments of stress and detortion, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it we have to be careful that we don't make ourselves go backward and become serfs and slaves because once you let the genie out the bottle, can't get him put back in, you know? So that's where I see, that's what I think about it. But it is a useful tool and I think it should only be a tool, but it should not become the all and be all because there's a there's a actually a, a, a hidden uh, agenda be, behind AI. Uh, I'm going to take the conversation a little bit deep and come back out because I can get very deep. But the rulers of this world uh, are not terrestrial. They are extraterrestrials and they are using the AI to usher in the their God, the negative energy that um, really feeds on our fears and traumas. And by use by opening the box the Pandora's box of AI, it will allow that God to come and take um a physical form in the form of like maybe machines. So we can end up having something like the Transformers. So uh, you know what I mean they, they they we have to be very careful here because uh when we open this box it will scare us because there will be a lot of negative entities that will come out of the ether that we just are not equipped to handle. And this is similar to what happened to the story of Atlantis and the reason why Atlantis fell. Uh, it was basically because um, the Atlanteans became so technologically advanced that they moved away from all spirituality and they ended up opening portals that they shouldn't open. And a lot of negative entities came in and Atlantis had to be sunk in order to close the portal. So if we're not careful, we will repeat the the things that happened then and it would set us back at least another 100,000 years if we continue on the path that we're going. Because it takes 100,000 years more or less for uh, a civilization to reach levels of consciousness where that they become full spirit and they would ascend to higher realms. But you know what I mean? We have to be very careful on it because there's there's a lot of um, hidden agendas and the God of this world will end up manifesting through the AI and through things like CERN and all these kind of things because they're all linked, you know? Yeah, it, uh, it's interesting that... I don't know. It's 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 scary. I think a little bit, but not 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 because I don't know. We shouldn't be fearful about it, but um, I do think that uh, it can. Uh, you, you mentioned like the only way to put you can't put the genie back in the bottle once it's out. But have you seen this meme about the AI taking over and then the sun explodes? I'm sure Adam's seen this. And then the EMP wipes out all technology on the earth. And then the AI is defeated that way, and then we get sent back to the Stone Age. So, kind of like after a cataclysm, after uh, like Atlantis sinking events, that's when everything gets redispersed. 
like re you know yeah little synchromistic uh cyclical history repeats itself it's just a control alt delete on the matrix right i mean it's just a reset kali yuga yeah exactly Correct. we've had many many resets but yeah this reset will be the last one because it's what you call the end of ages and after that there will be no more because what it is now is that this everything it goes on the signs and the cosmology and the everything is written in the in the, in the in astrology as well and we had something that was spotted in 2019 2017 sorry september 23rd 2017 called the great sign of heaven and this is actually um fulfilling prophecy in revelations 12 mm -hmm. and basically what we are in now is the seven years of tribulation so basically what it is now is that the the anunnaki are coming back for this planet and they're <laughs> they're, they're coming to cull and um Basically, when you look into religions, you realize that religions are just the worst inventions ever. And this is kind of like what I spoke about at Anarchapoco. I call them the three religions that create the matrix, which is the religion of money, excuse me, the religion of government, and organized religion. These three religions are what create the matrix. And this is why when you have people that are followers of any of these religions and believers is very difficult to get through to them because they're all zealots and what it is now is that when you look at these ancient texts you realize that basically we are not from this planet we were seeded here we come from different star systems different planets and what it is now is that religion in general has been used to dumb down our mind because the word religion comes from the latin word relegare which means to hold or to bind or to thwart forward progress of and this is why all religions are fake no religion on earth is real it's it it, it has in the truth and the lie at the same time but when you are able to decrypt the information you can see what is the truth and you just throw out the rest because the gods are not good <laughs> the gods are all evil this is why in all religions you had a lot of bloodshed genocide rape murder pillage you know so yeah we we, we will see um extraterrestrials 80 foot tall possibly and spaceships we will see war planets coming into our um peripheral vision so a lot of a lot is still to come and this is why I always tell people that you need to start working on yourself. You need to find the kingdom within because what's going to come, your fears and traumas will hold you back. And this is why after this, there will be no more. And the ones that don't make it to the end will probably reincarnate on another planet and have to do all of this all over again. And I don't, I just want to get out of here because this is not really. I just want to disappear. This is not living, man. This is this is just being a slave. I mean, even though we try to be as free as possible, are we really free? Our minds aren't. And it's all about unshackling the the the, the chains on the mind, right? Which is why everything is a psyop. 
and he who controls the information controls perception who controls perception controls the beliefs because you know what i mean perception is based on information received so there's there's a lot that is is going on that most people don't really know about or understand you know yeah i have seen some weird images of some objects close to the sun and uh there's been talk of planet x or whatever coming back uh i don't really know like one of the things that i put together the show for was to kind of uh take the fear out of of uh the future and and not to saying that you know what you said was meant to cause fear but uh the one of the things that uh I got inspired from Terrence McKenna about was he says that uh, the world or the universe is so much more strange or odd than we uh, can or are able to uh, imagine or physically, you know, mentally capable of contemplating. Right. So uh, that's something I kind of fall back to in, in, in things like this that, uh, you know, you can't, I don't know if we can predict the future to a T. I like to think that there are cycles that uh that repeats there's cycles within cycles but maybe there's some other cycles that we don't know about yet so <laughs> so you know bigger cycles possibly i don't know but uh yeah that's uh there, there's a lot of talk in in on the uh, interwebs about about petrol masses coming into the atmosphere from this passing planet like i've seen pictures of black rings in the sky and one of them caught fire the other day over what i forget what country I should save these news stories somewhere, but uh, yeah, weird, weird stuff happening. Um, ben, you you piped in there for a second. Did you want to share gratitude real quick, or Owen, or either or? Um, yeah, yeah. It seems like we went a long ways from from there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I guess gratitude for. Or, or, uh, no for interesting conversations you know i mean that's what's so fun about about these round tables like this you know you never know where it's going to go especially when you start talking about energy in the infinite right i mean it can literally go anywhere so did you have any thoughts on that particular topic or did you want to uh... um well I mean, that's definitely a timeline that can play out, <laughs> right? You know, um, I I don't presume to to. Well, I guess my practice lately has been more in presence, so I'm not. I'm trying not to look too far down the timeline. Um, and I'm trying to actually stay on one for a while now. I was really creating a lot of them uh, for the past couple of years and just dipping my toe in and, you know, taking the temperature, so to speak, looking down that frequency and seeing, um, you know, obviously you can't predict everything, but you can kind of navigate the flow a little down river so to speak and see where it's going and for the last couple of years i've been bailing out on a bunch of them so i was hoping to just kind of with this uh practice and presence um just remain in that lazy river and observe everything as it comes at, at me you know in real time rather than 
trying to look too far forward. Yeah, sitting back and observing, taking notes, taking notes because mm. we're only here. We're just visiting for a little bit, and then, <laughs> and then we get to leave. Yeah, well, and you can travel from you know wherever you are to wherever you want to go. So physically or metaphysically, so you know, um, there's a lot of a lot of ways you can look at it. Yeah, speaking of staying in the in the present and. And not really looking forward into the future too much. But if you are going to look in the future, one of the things that I've tried to do since uh, doing the uh, the uh, tra- reality transurfing book club with with Bootsy is uh, think oh, of the vaudeville outcome of the future, and just like it could just be you know crazy, mm-hmm. funny, insane, and still work out. Like, but you never saw it coming because it was out of left field. But yeah, Bootsy, did you want to? Do you have a gratitude? Yeah, I my gratitude is almost always people around me, uh, the people that I get to spend time with. I I love that I can connect with people who understand me, who <laughs> I share um, perspectives with, and a lot of really cool networks are forming, and a lot of great circumstances are brewing, and all of that. I'm just really happy to be where I am and able to do the things that I can do and know the people that I know. Uh, springtime is beautiful here. The birds are chirping. I've been reading uh, Island. We talked about that briefly, Aldous Huxley's book. And in the beginning, very beginning of it, it's just like uh, they they trained all the birds on the island. So it's like a utopian novel. It's the opposite kind of a Brave New World to basically say, pay attention, pay attention. And basically <laughs> teaching them to pay attention. He's like, pay attention to what? <laughs> you know, they're like, pay attention to your attention. I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, every time I hear a bird, I can't help it. And I saw a bluebird today. It just at lunch, just kind of came into the windowsill. Uh, it was flapping around all. It was like two or three of them actually. So, uh, always take that as a great sign and something to be grateful for. As a good omen to see a bluebird, the bluebird of happiness. Uh, so, so much to be grateful for, and as well, you guys in this. Uh, this meeting here so I, I appreciate being a part of this so thanks bill yeah dude i saw a bluebird myself i think it was yesterday the eastern bluebird we have uh, a whole flock of them they travel in groups and stay together uh, i noticed them hanging out last year and they're back this year hummingbirds are on their way too <laughs> you guys already have them down there in georgia yeah yeah it's it's in full swing it's very a lot of pollen here <laughs> lots of, lots of speaking of other seasonal things i real quickly i did kind of skip over this segment when we uh first started uh, there there are some notable mentions in the almanac that i wanted to cover for this coming week because we'll you know people will listen to this we're not live so moving forward here we are coming up on a full moon on thursday which is also uh holy thursday or uh, as Almanac, Almanac calls it, Maundy Thursday, M-A-U-N-D-Y Thursday, which is apparently Latin for command, and that is in reference to the command that Jesus gave his disciples to love one another like uh, he loved himself, or like he loved them. So that that's all happening on Thursday. That's full- awesome. Yeah. There's a song by David Axelrod called Holy Thursday that is excellent, and I do recommend it. I'll Try and remember to share that out. Yeah, maybe I'll 
link it in the uh, show notes or something. Yeah, it's, it's a banger. And then uh, another notable event, uh, the anniversary of Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination is on Tuesday, which uh, is in, in, in a uh, topic I've been interested in for a number of years uh, because I ran into a fellow by the name of Ken Rolla, who Adam and I had the pleasure of interviewing on 13 Questions. He actually was the physician for Coretta Scott King towards the end of her life. And he had some very interesting stories about the King family and uh, witnessing Bill Clinton turn around and publicly apologize to uh, a church full of people for the assassination of Dr. King. So that is uh, that happened on Tuesday. It's to bringing time back into it's interesting timing, right? With being so close to or between Palm Sunday and Easter. Right. And Dr. King being another example of somebody who told everybody to love one another and then got, you know, taken out for it. So it's, it's, uh, I didn't realize the timing was like that till just now. That's yeah, pretty moved. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like they do this on purpose. No. Mess with it. No, that's, <laughs> that's a conspiracy. It is. The dirty word. word. (laughs) Nothing in this world is by chance. Everything has a hidden meaning or is done on a date specific for this and that. Uh, Part of the program, yeah. Yeah, it is part of the program. (laughs) For sure. There is no such thing as coincidence. The sooner that you realize that, I'm not saying you guys, but in general, like, just seems like the sooner one comes to terms with that and seeing the world through that lens, it gets a lot more, it absolutely gets a lot more interesting you know, right away, but then it gets uh, super interesting the longer you do it, it seems. <laughs> absolutely. But uh, speaking of coincidences or in them not existing, that does kind of bring me to Dr. Pop because he realized that there was a coincidence and that there was a connection to be made because coincidences don't exist. So uh, I've got this is this actually comes from a book recommendation from Adam's episode on 13 questions. It is The Field by Lynn McTaggart. In this particular, I I went ahead and took some notes on one chapter of the book about uh, Dr. Pop's work with biophoton emissions. So please feel free to interrupt me or ask questions um because i'm just going to be kind of reading off this list or my notes here so uh, i mentioned dr Dr. pop is that what you're gonna dr Dr. pop i love it p-o-p-p doctor okay (laughs) so i mentioned before he was a professor teacher at marburg university in germany in 1970 and he was experimenting with UV light, ultraviolet light, and he was putting it, shooting it through benzo A pyrene, which is a lethal carcinogen, and he noticed that it absorbed the UV, but then it emitted it at a different frequency. So this made it kind of like a, a biological frequency scrambler. It was a biological frequency scrambler, and then uh, he repeated this test with benzo E pyrene, which is a harmless but nearly identical hydrocarbon. 
and the UV light passed right through it unaltered. So he did this 37 more times, and in every instance, carcinogenic compounds, they took the UV light, absorbed it, and then changed the frequency. But this only this only rationally happened with 380 nanometer wavelength. So he started to uh, look for answers and was reading a bunch, and he came across something called photo repair, which apparently happens when you blast a cell with UV light. <clears throat> Excuse me. You blast a cell with UV light until 99% of the cell is destroyed, including the DNA, and you can repair the damage within a day with the same wavelength at a weaker intensity. So uh, to this day, uh, quote-unquote conventional scientists, right, they don't know why this happens, but they can't dispute it. And uh, Pop also found that this works most effectively at 380 nanometers. And... This isn't a coincidence, right? So uh, there must be a link between photo repair and carcinogens. If so, then there must be some light in the body responsible for photo repair. Uh, cancerous, go ahead. Uh, cancerous, uh, cancerous compounds cause cancer by permanently blocking this light and scrambling it, so photo repair can't work. So this is what makes us sick. And in, in classical physics, the uh, Reality is seen as a phenomena that is kind of independent of the observer. Uh, Pop's view, along with uh, Lynn cites another philosopher by the name of Immanuel Kant, K-A-N-T, uh, they believe that reality is a creation of living systems and that the observer is uh, the central to the control of the world. So that's kind of the view that Pop is taking here. Mm -hmm. So he, he wrote this paper up and he was invited to speak at this cancer conference. And so he went there, but he was kind of laughed laughed at because his uh, conclusion that there is that the body generates this 380 nanometer uh, weak emission of light uh, it, it was a, it would have been you know noticed by now is what they said so it can't possibly be true which I'm pretty sure is some type of logical fallacy like the uh, the argument of oh it's we 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 would have known that by now right that. I don't know, it just seems lazy thinking. So anyway, they challenged him to produce the evidence that there is light in the body. And so he counter-challenged them to help him build the right equipment so that he could show where the light was coming from. They obviously weren't really interested in doing that. So uh, moving on, one of his students by the name of Bernard Ruth asked Pop to uh, supervise his PhD. And so Pop wanted to, uh, he said, yes, but only if you can show me where the light is in the body. And Ruth said, well, that's ridiculous. That's not a thing. And Pop said, okay, well, show me evidence, evidence that there isn't light in the body. And then I'll supervise your PhD. Uh, two years later, they have built this machine that resembles a big X-ray detector, and it employs a photo multiplier that can count light photon by photon. Mm. So the year is 1976 now, and they do their first test on cucumber seedlings. And the photomultiplier registered photons of a high intensity emitting from the seedlings. And so they both thought that it must be something with to do with the chlorophyll. So they did a second test on potatoes grown in the dark to avoid photosynthesis. But 
the result was that they hired even a or they registered an even higher intensity of light than the cucumbers. So therefore, they could rule out photosynthesis as a factor. You got dry mouth. Sorry. <clears throat> And what, oh yeah, what's more, uh, these photons that we're emitting were more, excuse me, more coherent than anything previously observed. And so just a note on quantum coherence in quantum physics, this means that subatomic particles are able to cooperate. They know about each other and can communicate together via bands of common electromagnetic fields. And Pop witnessed the highest level of order normally found only in lab controlled conditions a few degrees above zero which is called a bose-einstein constant condensate so pop began dr pop began pondering about light in in nature so for example if we eat broccoli our body turns it into co2 water and the light that is stored from the sun and present during photosynthesis and so our body extracts the CO2, it eliminates the water, and then the light must get stored somewhere. So when it's taken into the body, the light dissipates evenly over the entire electromagnetic spectrum, all the frequencies, and it becomes the driving force for all the molecules in the body. These photons turn on the body's processes. Different frequencies cause different functions. Further experiments revealed molecules in the cells respond to certain frequencies in a range of vibrations. From photons cause a variety of frequencies in, in the molecules of the body. And so he coined this biophoton emissions, but he still didn't know where exactly the light was coming from. So another student of his suggested that he try measuring the light emitting from DNA samples. So they exposed these DNA samples to something called ethidium bromide which causes the DNA to unwind by seeping into the middle of the base pairs of the double helix. And so the more of the ethidium, ethidium they added, the more unwinding, but also the stronger intensity of the light. So conversely, less ethidium, the lower the light emissions. And they also found that the DNA was capable of emitting a large range of frequencies, some of which seemed to be linked to certain functions. Thus, if DNA stored light, then it would emit light, more light, once unwound, right? This and other studies demonstrated that DNA is one of the most essential stores of light and sources of biophoton emissions. And so this makes it kind of like a master tuning fork to the human body. And this could possibly be the missing link in the DNA theory, uh, which would, you know, it provides an explanation for, an explanation for the means by which Single cells in the body know how to form a body, right? Fully formed humans. And Rupert Sheldrake actually came close to this theory uh, with his morphic resonance or cumulative memory uh, ideas, but he still didn't really have the uh, the how to explain the you know the means by which cells propagate in in the way that they do, right? So. Um, and other observers before Pop postulated a radiation theory theory for, for DNA, but they couldn't prove it because he, they didn't have his machine that he invented to, to look at this thing yet, right? So, uh, But by then, Pop was kind of thrown aside after the, the cancer conference thing, 
and uh, apparently the discovery of hormones and the birth of biochemistry came along shortly after, so he was just kind of forgot about. <laughs> but uh, not not to be daunted, he continued to experiment, and he concluded that all living things emit a permanent current of photons, and the number emitted is linked to the position on the evolutionary scale. The more complex a being, the less emitting will happen. So rudimentary plants and animals emit about 100 photons per centimeter squared per second at a wavelength of 200 to 800 nanometers, which is high frequency and in the visible light range. Humans only emit 10 photons for the same measure. That's interesting. I thought humans would, would, would produce more light. Because mm. we are light beings. That's what human stands for. Hue means light. Man means being. Light beings, you know? Well, we, we're producing them, but it's on a such a low frequency. Not on a visible spectrum. Yeah. yeah. So I do have one more little page here. Uh, he, he did a study of this one student sitting in a room so dark that the, only the barest few photons could be detected or could be revealed or yeah, detected. And uh, the barest few photons could be detected. And this, the conclusion of this revealed that light emissions, they followed a certain set pattern, these biological rhythms of 7, 14, 32, 80, and 270 days. Uh, he also found that the emissions from the hands were correlated. So an increase in photons coming off of the right hand would you'd see a similar increase in the left and then uh, also uh, these patterns also seem to follow the natural biological rhythms of day night you know week month so it's really it was following the world's biorhythm as well as its own mm -hmm. and just a few more things that he kind of did uh, he using this uh, he came to conclude that cancer people have cancer that uh, I wrote cancer people have lost the natural period, these natural periodic rhythms in their coherence. So their light is actually going out, like physically going out. And uh, it's just the opposite in multiple scler scler sclerosis. Uh, this is a case in which there's too much light and there's too much order. And this prevents flexibility and individuality. And he also uh, observed that stressed states causes an increase in these emissions. So here's where it kind of gets real dicey as far as how he got ran out. Uh, in 1980, he was asked to leave the university and all of his students that wanted to study biophoton emissions were censured. Uh, the university officials raided his lab two days before he was supposed to leave. But luckily he had hid this machine that he built in a student's basement. So he got to keep that. And then uh, he actually had to sue the university afterwards because they didn't want to pay him for whatever his contract was for teaching, right? So that's how well uh, welcomed he was in the academia world, right? So, uh, But last thing, eventually he formed the International Institute of Biophysics, and they studied water fleas here using their photomultiplier. And they saw that they were sucking up the light emitted from each other. 
So wave resonance is used in the body as well as to communicate with other living things outside the body by exchanging photons, which he called photon sucking. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the very scientific term photon sucking. I think I've experienced that with some people before as well. Like energy vampires? I mean, that's what some people call it. They're just photon suckers, I guess. You know, it's no big deal. Like Placostomus. <laughs> I'm stealing that as an insult, no matter what. Photon sucker. Right, you photon sucker. Um, yeah, you just learn how to shield <clears throat> shield your energy from that stuff too. You know. So some people waste air. You waste light. <laughs> well, that was fascinating, Bill, and the way Doctor Pop was talking, what you were talking about in the beginning, like connected some dots in the whole reiki slash energy healing field for me um or just gave me more language i guess uh to talk about it but yeah it made perfect sense and you know we're electromagnetic right when your heart is out of rhythm electricity is what puts it back right so um well, hopefully not. Hopefully it's easier than that, right? You, and you can do it just with touch. But, um, well, yeah. Light is everything, you know? It's uh, exactly. you know, efficiency in vitamin D. They use it for different types of circulation. You're using it to detect how much oxygen's in your body with sensors. Like every single thing, there's so much around medicine that's just built around the frequency of light and, you know, using lasers and things. So, yeah, it's... What about all those other subtle energies we don't know about? We're emitting photons. You can see photons. Like, that seems significant. Right. It's just in a form we're not perceiving at the moment, you know. It seems like it's absolutely there. And it should be able to be. They've shown that human beings can perceive a single photon being fired into the retina, something that on a technological scale you need you know, like super cooling and semiconductors and massive, you know, amounts of equipment and setup, but we naturally can do it. So, yeah, I mean, when you look into somebody's eyes and you feel a connection, you know, maybe that connection is much deeper. They're actually, you know, sending off more wavelengths, energy, quantum entangling, and so much more that we just don't understand that you get a feeling, you get a vibe, that person kills the room, you know. Uh, Well, even there, you'll you'll explain it. You'll explain it as, you know, it, it felt electric when you met that person or something like that, you know, and the we are light beings, you know, in in the flesh suit. Yeah. But when you deal with um, light beings from, you know, whatever realm you want to call it um, from the elsewheres is a is a new one that came into my lexicon recently. Um, but when, you know, when, when an entity shows up in meditation and it, it it is just that being of light, it's definitely brighter than what the, the meat sack's going to emit. You know, there's a lot of interference in the flesh. So, um, but it doesn't mean it's not still in there, I guess is what I'm getting at. We all know it. It's in there somewhere. So. I love that stuff. Yeah, I, 
I'm kind of sad Derek's not here because the way that he's able to perceive energy, I wanted to get his two cents on this. But the there is one last little interesting tidbit that Dr. Pop, uh, I want he he tested uh, plant extracts right to see if he could uh, change the character of biophoton emissions from cancer cells, right, in order for them to start communicating better and not be cancerous. And so everything that he tested made it worse, except for mistletoe. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't do any research on mistletoe, but everybody knows that there's, you know. Well, some... it's it's interesting. It's a parasitic plant. It has to have a host plant to to thrive. So that's that's interesting. Right. Well, and to Lynn McTaggart, she's done um, uh, intention studies specifically with photon emissions, having two groups of people or two study things. You have a group of people that's going to look at one of two control samples and the one control sample is something like a leaf or something that is steadily under a very sensitive uh, camera being watched, um, seeing how many photons it is sending off and then being able to have groups of people in the hundreds or thousands putting intention at a certain time and having those photons emissions either increase or decrease. So yeah, from at least those experiments, uh, you can control the photon emission of biology outside of you. Mm -hmm. I mean that, yeah, that sounds like Reiki and just interacting with the, the plant spirit, if you will, you know, looking through an animus lens. Yeah. Well, it's the great thing about the world, right? It's a therapist and something else you're, you're helping a doctor is helping you heal yourself. Your body does the work. Mm -hmm. They're there to guide you. Yeah. I, I love that aspect of the world that, uh, uh, placebo works cause you got to believe in the lie. So who's right. going to trick you into the lie to make you actually do the healing. So reality is a placebo. I think so is a, it sounds a bit like it sounds a bit like tapping into the etheric because there is a field of energy and that we can't see that basically if you tap into it um you can manifest anything you want and it sounds a little bit like that and um the yogis excuse me believe in this a lot the monks in tibet but this is what even what Christ was doing. Christ was uh, Yeshua was was tapping into the etheric realm, you know, and and mm -hmm. he actually went to um, Tibet to learn. Uh, he went to Egypt first, then he went to Tibet to learn Reiki and healing, and then he went to India to learn the mystic arts. So there is um there's a lot of stuff that is only now starting to come out, and this is even the same etheric that that Nikola Tesla had tapped into. And that would have provided free energy for the planet. But because he was actually sponsored by the Rockefeller Foundation and they couldn't make money off it, they basically shelved him. And that's why when he died, the CIA came and stole a whole heap of his research. And to be fair, most technological advancements have, are, are based on his patents that they stole. So yeah, the third. Just Sorry? like Dr. just like Doctor Pop, he got he got censored. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, yeah, the the rulers the 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 rulers of this world they don't want that to come out because it means that they would end up losing all of their power. Because what it is now is that they're parasites and they need us so to 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 survive. This way, everything 
in this matrix is parasitic, negative, and is there to not uplift you, but to just keep you in line, keep you in control, you know? And um, Only if you like. they, they, they do, yeah, they do a very good job of it, which is why the world is so like messed up me, now. They don't have any power. This is actually no, true. They have, they have zero power. You're absolutely correct because we give them our power, right? Yeah, it's a choice. But what they're very good at is uh, manipulation and they have a lot of technology, right? But they can't actually create anything on their own because they live in fear and they live in fear of us and they live in fear of losing their power. Well, yeah, so because they because they, they live in fear, they can't actually produce anything. And this was very much well, very well shown in that movie, Lucy, when um, the guy was telling uh, Lucy that if you draw something on that piece of paper, they can manipulate it and twist it in two different shapes. But if you get them a bank piece of paper, they can't put anything on it. They can't produce anything. Right. And so that's why you're right. They have they have they don't have any power. But what they've done is that they've put a veil of perception over us to make us think that we don't have any power and that we need someone to save us. This is why all religions have a savior character. This is why the government appears in the masses consciousness to be the savior, the one that's just trying to help you, protect you, keep us safe. You know, there's always a, 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 a savior complex that was built into all these systems, you know? So this is why, um, for the most part, human beings um, don't like to think because they've relegated their thinking to someone else or something else like government, you know? So it, it's very, it goes very deep, you know, that basically the, they're the thought, the thought shapers, you know? <laughs> yeah. People are limited on how to think. I mean, that's the only thing censorship can do is to limit you, right? That's why I hate it. <laughs> um, but on the, the opposite side of that is the creative force, right? And that's something that uh, these people lack is imagination. Like you'll, you'll look at a lot of, I don't, I don't, I'll just use uh, a communist regime generic uh, as an example that uh, they will steal a lot of technology and and other things because they can't invent them themselves because they lack creativity and individuality and connection to source it's been squashed out of them so that's all they can do is steal and limit and cheat and distract that's that's and once we realize that we can you know knowing is half the battle right we can overcome that there's kind of like two types of power, right? Like you can read a book like the 48 laws of power, which I recommend everybody should. It's a great book. Very good book. Written by Robert Greene. Well, then you could read a book like power versus force by David Hawkins. Also highly recommend that book. You know, you see that in those lower levels of consciousness that people think that power is power over others, which is control, but that's not power. Power is empowerment from within. Right. And those are those higher levels of consciousness and those uh, lower levels with these little minions trying to tweak and control and do their little manipulative bullshit. Like it, it doesn't really work in the long run. And you're exactly right. These people do live in fear. Like anybody who has that type of power has to watch it like a hawk. They don't have real friends in their lives. They only know other people who want the same power that they have. But again, that's not power. That's force. It's completely different. It's basically the opposite. 
So, you know, like that's a, that's a lonely road to go down. And uh, I think I, I'm, I tend to go with, with Ben, you know, it's like, we need to focus on creating our own systems, our own, um, you know, networks as much as possible. And I think that takes power away from that matrix that, uh, that is generally, uh, you know, uh, in, you know, cre created and perpetuated by all the people mm -hmm. who are not really thinking yet. But I think the more that people start to see people doing their own thing, you know, I just talked to, was telling everybody before the show, this guy, Tom Palladino and, and Derek talks about scalar energy as well. And I think there's definitely something there that might, that might be a, a pretty interesting potential. You know, I'm just now learning about it, but it's exciting and hopeful. So just throwing that out. Yeah. Yeah. The technology is Nikola Tesla, isn't it? Nikola Tesla technology. Yeah, it is Tesla. Yeah. I've actually have one of his, um, a device that uses his technology. It's called a pain genie. Mm -hmm. And it was actually invented by the Russians. So when they go to the International Space Center uh, and they have like, injuries, they can use this. Um, mm -hmm. It looks like a remote control and it emits uh, energetic waves and it got like different levels and you can actually pull out the, the, like, the knots inside of your muscles. Uh, it works really well. Um, and that's something that a lot of people don't even know because you can use low levels of frequency to help the body to start its regenerative purpose, you know? And um, again, this was even like what the, the pyramids in Egypt were, were for. They were yeah. healing devices. They were, they were multifaceted devices, communication, um, you know I me mean? actually be having like something to seek. It was like a, a point where the spaceships, when the Anunnaki were going to come in that they could pick it up um to see where they can go so it was it was for use for many different things but one was healing for sure because when you go to egypt i watched an interview with this guy that he actually had like a a proper a, a, not proper he had a, a a chat with one of the, the the locals there that he went to he got a tour but not by the mainstream tours uh tour guides and uh, he told him that his ancestors said that it was used to heal. Like if you got some illness or whatever, they would take you into the pyramid and they would use different frequencies of sound and you'll come out feeling healed. Like if you had a headache or upset stomach or whatever, you know what I mean? They would just tune, find the right energy frequency that is affecting the body and like how you have like tune forks and find the right frequency and then just get it to to come up the body and i thought that was quite interesting it's a lot like like reiki and other energy healings and and using sound in within that as well be it the tibetan bowls you know the crystal bowls or light language you know i have a healer that um as she's moving energy she's also channeling and singing light language and i mean is talking about resetting your frequencies and tuning your into your you know optimum biofield you're really after those healings you're ready to go and take on the world again so yeah there's a lot to it so what's to keep us from just using our thoughts to create these healing frequencies as opposed to having some light or sound instrument like can't we just think ourselves yeah, shitty beliefs yeah saint germain talks about this a lot in his books <laughs> 
he says that basically what happens is that if you have like even if it's a 0.0001% of doubt it won't work he says that you have to be fully believing it 100% Every it can't be it can't be 99.99 it has to be 100 and well what you said we have shitty beliefs but well, that's basically what that means that because yeah. it, it is is a such a deep subconscious doubt that you're not even present to it that it just for you it doesn't exist but that very 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 minute doubt is what kills everything so that's why we're not able to manifest with our brain, our thoughts and our minds because like when, when christ did his healing and even krishna as well they were tapping into the etheric but they had a hundred percent belief that this thing was going to happen mm. so it happened right and what happened is that it gave the people that went to them for healing belief that they would heal themselves, that he could heal them. But like, as we said, rightly, the placebo effect is real. So because he has, he had such belief in himself, he exuded that confidence that they felt confident that he would heal them. So it was mm -hmm. actually, yes, he healed them, but he didn't heal them at the same time. If that makes sense. Paradox. That's well, for, yeah. Yeah, and now America is just a bunch of commercials telling you all the disorders that you do have, and then people miraculously get them. Dude, it's for real. We're the only. It's us in New Zealand. America. Okay, Todd, you're not included because you don't live in the U.S. But America and the New Zealand are the only two countries that allow pharmaceutical companies to advertise directly to consumers. Really. I, I I thought it was only United States. I didn't know it was New Zealand as well. Yeah, yeah, they they're kind of going off the rails over there as well with their government. So you know, wow, man, I, I, I tell you right, I I used to live in Europe, right, and it is everything is going mad now <laughs> because what you said about um, it, it, it or repeat saying that or oh, all the things the things that you uh, uh the disorders that you you suffer from. But that's what they did with the pandemic. What they did is they told everyone repeatedly that they're going to die. Well, they didn't physically say, oh, you're going to die. But the way they had the numbers in the top, right, the, the top part of the screen, numbers going up every day, everyone focused on it. People made themselves sick from, from, from believing that this thing is real. But none of it is real. It was all a big lie. And I even saw uh, uh, an article over the weekend that the United Kingdom is telling people that they can have their spring booster jabs. And I'm like, yeah, they're still with this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that's not even anyone's consciousness right now. And this, But you see, again, these pharmaceutical companies need to make their bread. So the governments are sold out. So, I mean, they just use their, their population as just, what's the right word to say? Um, you know, to just... Give them products that they 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 buy from their friends, and they just push it like they, they're the real drug pushers. You know, the government is the actual real real drug dealer here. You know what I mean? Always yeah, has been. <laughs> Always has been. Man. Yeah, it's freaking mad. <laughs> That's never not been the case. <laughs> I was just gonna say that I saw a story of some police chief over in uh, California was smuggling in fentanyl. Like they were oh. running a ring, and it's supposed to be the person in charge of, you know, yeah. yeah, war on drugs. Yeah. Why do you think we were in the Middle East for so long? Because poppies Stargate. grow there. 
you know? Stargate. <clears throat> yeah. There's, so loading there's... up planes full of heroin and sending that back too. Well, that was clearly, just, just go back to the marketing that's allowed on the American people. The more people die from prescription medications than from illicit drugs, even with the fentanyl is dangerous and all the lacing and the terrible stuff that goes in. So yeah, our country is bought and sold by big pharma on the street level, the doctor level, the government level. Yeah, that's just sad. Everybody in America is on something. Man, it is mad, right? Like this is what I tell people, right? Here, the government and the cartel are one entity. And one entity just um they just wear nice suits and ties. And the other entity is the one that does the the heavy lifting. And when the cartels may get the money, they give the money to the government. The government washes the money, takes their cut, and gives it back to the cartels, and it's just a rinse, recycle, and repeat. You know? And it, it is mad that people don't realize that all of our problems come from government. Government, look at psychedelics. Psychedelics aren't um, legal because of some loving government. They don't want human beings to penetrate the veil of perception to realize that they are really the bad guys, right? So this is why things like psychedelics are, are, are illegal in most um, jurisdictions on earth, you know, because they don't want a human being to be thinking for himself and to be questioning, hold on a minute. So why when they took, um, you know, I mean, granny to the nursing home, why she didn't get better, why she got worse and she died? You know, they don't want people thinking outside of the box. So what they do is they, you know what I mean? They, they, they stop people from having that ability to explore different ideas or different having different realms of consciousness access to, you know, penetrating the veil of, of, of all lies that they feed us, you know. Everything in this world is a lie, everything. The whole system is based on a lie, you know what I mean? Yeah, they feed every single thing into your system to make you who you are whether it's from the food, the nutrition, the psychedelics, the information. And yeah, then somebody is just bogged down with, you know, 40 hour work weeks or more low pay distraction, having to focus their entire life on just making a, a meal and taking care of their family. And you don't have the time to concentrate on anything except for the cage that was created for you. Right. You don't, you don't have time to be confident, but speaking, I want to bring it back to that just because we're here to kind of build confidence. And I think a way to do that, Ben helped me build confidence in a huge way by giving me my first tarot deck. Like the, the, the doubting Thomas aspect of myself was super strong for, you know, a, you know, a long, still is kind of can be a long time, but pulling cards. Like I, I even had trouble just thinking that there was a message to be had. Like I was special enough, a quote unquote, right. To, to, glean anything from us you know putting doubt aside is a challenge right so it's helpful to have friends or coaches to help you do that so no one is special bill everybody who asks a question will get an answer exactly exactly so that's something that ben helped me do so thank you Ben. absolutely man and it is a great tool you know to well in my experience anyway to to learn that inner voice 
and make sure it is your voice and not, you know, you're not sabotaging yourself with, with that bully on the playground or, you know, the fight you had with your girlfriend or any of those other um, energies that can come in and affect you. Those cards, you know, bring in that focus and kind of hypnotize you into that state. So you can really go in and, and be aware of, of that inner space. Yeah. It's kind of like the second opinion or the, it's like, I have this feeling I'm feeling a bit conflicted, but I feel this is the direction. And then when something aligns, you're like, well, I can't really ignore this. My, I'm, right. my intuition is leaning in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Adam, do you have your deck by you by chance? You you did it. Yeah. Should I, should I shuffle them up? Yeah. Pull a, pull a card. Why don't you? Perfect. Last... Yeah. Give me a minute to shuffle. Absolutely. At last episode, Adam did a reading for us. We pulled a three card spread for the show because it was our inauguration. So maybe Adam is now ch chief tarot uh, administrator for Chrononaut Chronicles. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we got to give everybody fancy titles so we can make ourselves feel confident and important. You may call me Mr. T. Mr. There's even a pity the fool tarot joke in there. So, Hi. <laughs> yeah, give it one more. Make sure I don't give you any of my readings. And Adam, do you cut or do you knock or how do you? Uh, yeah, so. My my Clear standard is to uh, is to shuffle, and mm -hmm. then uh, cut the deck a few times until it feels right. So that's okay. just because my my view of it is you know there's there's you're always going to get an answer that's going to have some meaning. So yeah. I just go based on feeling and whenever and don't put too much thought into it. I go into it with an intent of like, and I don't even do questions anymore. It's, mm -hmm. I've gotten myself real good on just the intent of thought, like where I'm at now, I know what I'm looking for, which isn't really a question, but I know the thing I'm looking at in the time frame, and then the cards generally line up yeah. with that. So tonight is literally just in my thought, you know, obviously it's all of us together here, but I'm um, pulling the cards, um, is just, you know, um, you know, um, the show, this time, this event, this thing that we are doing now, yeah, just that Perfect. so um, it's kind of like what i did last time and um let me pull up my pdf here because i did download this last week i like the tradition of knocking on the deck to clear the energy as well it's just a fun yeah one. i've never even heard of that but i i mean i used to be a perpetual wood knocker like knock mm. on wood for everything yep. um, and then i stopped doing because i'm like well i don't think i understand it enough to maybe i'm in asking something to come <laughs> summoning the so wood stopped, spirit yeah yeah so I, I stopped doing it but yeah i'm i mean the deck is made of you know wood fibers so i'm mm -hmm. i'm intrigued i never even thought about it yeah. all right so the two cards i probably sorry two the three cards i pulled um all pulled in the correct positions and i think you guys will like this um get this
All right. So the first card is the King of Cups. The King is steady, present in a turbulent sea, fatherly and kind. He can be a source of emotional support, helpful advice, and his comforting strength in times of trouble. He is a peacemaker who will always listen with his heart as well as his mind. He keeps himself in balance by practicing detached compassion. All right. Now, the second card we got is actually going to be one of the major arcana. So it's going to be an XIV. Temperance. An angel performs a mystical ritual to restore spiritual harmony, pouring water from one cup to another. These are the waters of life, which flow from a common source to all parts of the universe. With one foot in water and one on land, the angel symbolizes the integration of body and spirit. We had that one last time too, didn't we? Yep. And this one I love, and this is this is the synchronicity of the world that I absolutely love. Third position is the fool. <laughs> The fool embarks upon the journey of life with a light of heart and free spirit of expectations. Every adventure he encounters along the path has a potential for joy. His faithful dog tries to warn him away from the cliff's edge, but he heedless, but he he is heedless of the danger. He is very innocent and may keep him from harm. So yeah, that's that's why y'all should do tarot because it just lines up with what you're doing. Like synchronicity on demand, almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, I've done too much remote viewing and in, in, in cards for this to surprise me anymore. But it, it's it's, well, it's, yeah. it's 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 also a very good way to reaffirm to yourself that there is more going on in the world that you understand. And whether it's you are so good that your mind knows exactly where all those cards are in the deck and has them perpetually memorized or can sense them, I don't care. Or it's real mm -hmm. magic, or it's the muse, or it's something else. Either way. There's powers and capabilities and things around you. And you see stuff like that line up, man. It's It lets you know that no matter what a scientist tells you about something being BS, you can do amazing things. What? I've had the King of Cups up all uh, the whole time. It was it was my morning pull this morning as well. So. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a, Adam, do you have a Rider weight deck? Uh, no, this is actually a uh, golden Art Nouveau tarot deck. Which direction is the Fool facing on the card? Uh, these are all in the correct position. Oh, so on this, the Fool is, um, he is standing on a ledge. Is he facing left or right? Oh, he's he, he's pointing towards the left side of the card. Towards Temperance? Mm-hmm. And then the next step would be him becoming the King of Cups. There's a little story right there. You read it backwards, right? Yeah. But I often read left to right. Yeah, that's a fun one. Fun way to do it too. I just i I like to figure out where the you know, it's reading either or or you can read from center out too, right? Like that's that's interesting. Sometimes it depends on. I like to look at the art and look at. Uh, mm -hmm. How the cards interact with each other, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's a great confidence-inspiring tool, like tarot. I never really 
Yeah, that's good practice. Well, you've heard me talk about it before. I love all these tools, whether it's dowsing rods, remote viewing, uh, tarot. They're all just different ways to structure your mind to do things to to get more information from the world around you. And every time you do it and you have success, um, just think about all the other ways that you can structure your mind, the, the things you're doing throughout the day that you don't think are magical that are actually you know, bringing things into existence and yeah, start paying attention to the, the goddamn it's the, the, the wrong things you say. Cause those are, those are mantras. They're, they're real. That's energy. It's, it's pulling things or information towards you. Might as well pull the good stuff in. This is why abracadabra means I create yeah. as I speak. The yeah. truly most magical world or word. And yeah, everybody think it's like a, it's a Disney joke, but no abracadabra is like the magic word yeah a lot of, i tell you they tell us a lot of truth but they put it in like stories or nursery rhymes or stuff like that to sort of like bypass the um the mind to actually like critically think about these things so we just brush them off oh well you know the movie is sci-fi so that isn't real but actually no they tell us the truth in the movies and they lie in school and then they would put a lot of truth in like little things like that where people think, oh, it's just like something that a magician Scooby does. It doesn't really mean anything, but no, as you said. You know, yeah, really Th that's actually why I'm not worried about AI takeover because I already consider machines have taken over. Every time you go through traffic, listen to, you know, uh, the little light that's telling you when to walk and cross the street and not, uh, you know, the, the computers that we have in the pocket, you know, our pockets, the machines that we wear on our you know, our hands to tell us about what's going on in the sky. Like I already think that we have been co-opted by this technology and we're all born into a system where you just obey the traffic laws. And if you don't, you get hit. Co did, any, did anybody else have anything new that they would, that happened to them since we last met that they wanted to share? Like, like new, uh, new perspective, awe-inspiring, anything out of the ordinary, a synchro, uh, dude, oh, floor's open. Oh, I quit my job. Oh, uh, <laughs> Congratulations! Yeah, no, it was it was high time. I'd been there. I'd been there a little too long as it is, and ignoring all the signs and signals and omens for me to get out of there. Um, but I did it. Um, in a way that allowed me to. Um stick to keeping my word, not just to myself, but to other people. Um, or the other way around, assign whatever importance you want to that statement. Um, and, you know, it's funny, when I did, the universe just opened like 10 other doors at the same time. So it's been pretty interesting. I mean, Bill, Bill, and and Owen and I have talked about it. Like, if, once you start paying attention to the synchronicities, then they just start showing up more and more. You know, I mean, we really do pay with our attention to play this game. So, whatever you're, whatever you're paying attention to is what shows up. And uh, I was paying attention, trying to pay attention to opportunity and remaining joyful and turns out quitting a job will just do that for you 
That's amazing. <laughs> I was super excited for you. I can't wait to see what the next chapter holds. Oh, me either, man. It's downstream, is, though. The thing is that we've been conditioned to think that when we let go of things, we're actually losing out. And in actual fact, when you let go of things, you actually gain because you can gain something new. This is why Christ said you can't put new wine into old wine skins. And you know what I mean? You can't have a, a cup that has a little bit of milk residue in it and pouring water and think you have pure water. You have to clean out the cup first in order to get water. So it's akin to basically new opportunities will always come once you complete the other thing, right? Let it go. Draw a line in the sand and say, that's it, it's finished, you know? But you probably would not have gotten those new opportunities had you not signaled to the universe that you're ready to have something different or something new, you know? Mm. Yeah, well. Everything is energy, what, literally. Well, no, of course everything is energy. It's it's when when you actually start quote unquote trying to manifest stuff is is when you have to pay attention a little more but if you just realize you just are manifesting no matter what every day and just flowing with it then it's it is what it is i love that phrase more and it's more true. lately uh, it is what it is and be mindful in and how you speak and intentions you set and how you treat other people and then yeah, it's just an easy wave to surf after that. Yeah. I love that manifesting has come up again. I know this is only the second episode, and I can't say, oh, this is it's, you know, such a thing that comes up all the time, but I like how it's kind of been just organically brought up because it is really the, the third uh, aspect to the the spell, right? We've got the gratitude, and then we've got the new business, I guess, and then we've got the, the inspiring, inspiring confidence-building section at the end, but... I didn't. Ben, was there anything else that you wanted to say? Oh no! I mean, dude, I've had some crazy synchros, but I just, I don't, I don't know if I can articulate them good enough. You know, they they get they get personal. You know, so it's like it's everybody sees it through their own eyes, and not everybody's going to see it the same. Well, that's what the synchro is. It's the powerful one. It's because it doesn't mean anything to anybody else but you. That's what I mean. Like it's it's part of your path, not anybody else's. So synchros are, I find them. I find them intimate, even more than personal. Yeah, I view so, them as signposts, guideposts towards something, and they're unique yeah, man, to the, the observer. Yeah, the the great programmer in the sky, right, is just winking at you. So, I mean, call it call you know the infinite intelligence whatever you want but it plays along as long you know if you start playing and it, it plays along with you i think a good my my kind of besides experiencing it firsthand right I, uh, before that kind of happened largely in 2019 i read robert anton wilson cosmic trigger if anybody has any like questions about what synchronicity looks like read that book series and you'll it, i think it does a pretty good job but uh, that aside, did Todd or Bootsy or Adam have anything new or any any weird experiences you want to share? I have something I could report. Also, yeah. I'm curious. Have you read Prometheus Rising by Robert Anton Wilson? 
I have not. I recommend it. It is fantastic. All right. We will um we'll move along though. This is not really my own synchro, but this should help to chisel away at some of those limiting beliefs that we were kind of talking about earlier, those programs that are deep seated. So we've been doing this uh book club on dream searchers for we've just got we just got to the second book. We did it's probably been a few months since we did the first book and then we just did the second book and we're just about to finish it. But, you know, there's a lot of interesting ideas. A lot of Castaneda stuff is spelled out like really simply in it, you know, distilled and stuff in, in sections. And one of the big ideas is like, can you like meet somebody in a dream? Cause they do it in this book all the time. <clears throat> and so of course we've tried to do it and tried to do it and no success yet, but I will share this story. Abby was, um, she's kind of the main person really behind it. She's got a special talent for dream stuff and <laughs> lucid dreaming specifically. And that's putting it lightly, but she's, she's awesome. But she's uh, at a gas station and starts talking to a guy and remembers seeing him in her dream. He's buying beer in the gas station and they're talking and being like, what's up, you know, and he's kind of into this stuff or whatever. And, uh, and she's like, I thought you were, like hasn't haven't drank in six months and he's like no i haven't and so but apparently he he had communicated that not at the gas station but in a dream so they just both had somehow knowledge of the same sort of thing by a dream uh, episode that she remembers speaking to him and uh and i don't know if he ever said that he remembered speaking to her in the dream but that they certainly had communicated some other way. And uh, so it was cool. She probably tells the story a little bit more, I don't know, with, with more of a rise and fall because it happened to her. But like, it's one of the big things that we've always wondered, like, you know, can you meet people in the dream? Is that possible? And I mean, that's a silly evidence of it, but I I think it is. I, I trust her on that. I think that she's probably uh, had conversations with other people in dreams too, and they just don't remember it. It's like, if you're lucid, but the other person isn't, it's going to be really hard to remember that. Uh, but like I said, they do it all the time in this dream searchers book. Uh, and I don't think there's any reason to doubt whatsoever what's possible in, in, in the dream space as well as physical, as far as manifesting and shit. So. Yeah, I I love talking about dreams and hearing about them, but I I rarely have them myself. I know everybody dreams, right? Okay, I just don't remember them, right? It's I don't know something I've always wished I could do. I can, but for some reason it doesn't happen too often. Um, any other new business, Todd or Adam? You don't have to share. I was just wanted to. Oh my gosh! Well, I did have one of the most horrible nightmares of my life last week dreams but we'll avoid that that's not happy stuff mm -hmm. i did have a wonderful confirmation um at one of the cacs for gray america i went to um there was me and somebody else sitting outside at like three in the morning and this was within a couple of hours of a starlink launch that was in um california but it was not at the specific time and um saw an incredible thing and um, I'll go ahead and share it here, Bill, because you can put this in um, the show notes. I'll put it here in the chat. Um, this happened and there was nobody around. I had gone all over MUFON. I found somebody that had a drawing, kind of what I saw. 
um, that was similar and described it at the same time period, but could find no video anywhere. Um, and essentially what I saw looked like just out of nowhere in, in this, and it was a dark, cold, completely like dark Colorado, Colorado sky in the middle of nowhere. So we know no bleed over. And it was like thousands of points of light appeared in a long like tube that had like a glowing area around it. And it was afterwards, somebody mentioned it to me and described it as a skyworm. And I said, that's exactly what it seemed like. It seemed like these lights would move as the, this thing would stretch. They would all move away from each other in an undulating type of way. And then it just faded out. And, you know, in the classic, uh, seeing something crazy, you don't think to go and tell the 40 other people inside. Um, but I was perusing uh, YouTube, uh, a day or two ago and found this video and somebody else had recorded an incredibly similar, I mean, it, it is to me exactly the same as what I saw, except for uh, the fidelity. You can't really see uh, the detail in it and being referenced directly to not being uh, a Starlink launch. So um, I thought that was just very cool. It's always fun to have that vindication of, you know, was it I was in Colorado? Was I was it excited? It was late at night. There was only two of us. You know, we were eating weed brownies. What could this be? You know, do I am I going to start to second guess myself? And you know, you never fully do, but it's always nice to have that that layered confirmation on the end. And just even cooler, just seeing that it. You know, my memory. It, it's it's how I remember seeing, and you know, memory can always change over time. So when you see things kind of still lining up, you're like, yeah, you know. Unless I remote viewed seeing this video. <laughs> yeah, getting confirm or getting validation like that is so much fun. Like it's 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 very confidence building too, right? That's one of the things I love about talking to you know, everybody here and Derek included, getting, you know, just feedback from from the universe about whatever it is that has happened. It's, it's like a validation almost, right? Speaking of confidence, though, unless Todd, did you want to share anything? Mean, you just spoke at our, our Anarchapuco. Uh, we kind of mentioned that a little bit already. I don't know if you wanted to share anything else new or or anything weird that happened to you. Um, I'm not. Well, not happened weird, but I was. Um, uh, I read the uh, Four Agreements, and um, yeah, that's a really good book. Um, first agreement is be basically keeping your word you know what i mean be what was the right word he says impeccable basically mean part impeccable that's it that's the word be impeccable with your word and then the next one is to don't take things personally the next one was to don't make assumptions and the third one was basically just just do your best you know do as best as you can and it's a short book but you realize how really important these four agreements are really because if you really want to be excuse me successful in life whether that is in relationships business friendship whatever you know is success to you um i would highly recommend that book for to read because a lot of people don't really realize that they are responsible for all the failures and all the victories they have in their life we tend to blame others for our failures but fail to realize that we need to take accountability for both our, our 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 victories and our failures because we are the ones that create both, and that's a very good book to to show people that 
wants you are impeccable with your word. And I always say that you need to be impeccable with your word to yourself first, because you can't keep your word to someone if you can't keep your word to yourself. Because I always tell people you can't give someone something that you don't already have. So when you keep your word to yourself, then you 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 can actually keep your word to other people. And when things happen to you or someone sh- says this to you or does that to you, uh, what we fail to realize is that people only re- 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 interact with you based on the level of consciousness they have and where they are in their life. So if a person just reacts to you in a weird way or you think a very harsh way, it's not really you, you know. It's actually themselves that they're fat, they're, they're battling with, you know. That, that internal dialogue that they have, you were just a, a, a venting board that they could vent on. But in reality, by them venting on you, that's a way for them to get away from themselves, you know, to not take accountability for themselves. And, you know, you, you can't make assumptions because you don't know what, someone is going through you know so you can't assume this or that and a lot of people they 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 give up and they don't give their best they don't give their all you know there's nothing wrong with giving up if you've given your best and this thing is like it just can't work right no if this this thing just can't work and you gave it your all you can say okay well I gave my all but if inside your heart you didn't give your best you didn't give your all and you gave up then you know what I mean you can feel worse about yourself and then you can end up putting that onto someone else uh, some uh, you know what I mean and again you don't want to look at yourself in the mirror so you want to blame other people for things so uh I'm very glad I reread it and um you know it, it was it was fun man and uh I, I saw some other things because the thing is right I read so many books man that sometimes I don't even remember so when you had said to me about it, right, I had to go check my list. I was like, oh, yeah, it's there. <laughs> I couldn't remember, you know what I mean? So I picked it up again, and um, yeah, yeah, very good book. Very, very good book. That's awesome. I'm I'm reading it now, actually, for the first time. On, I'm on page 30. But yeah, it's one I've been meaning to get to, and uh, it's it's hitting home, especially with the not taking. I haven't got to that part yet, but I already know it will, right? Not taking things personally. <laughs> um, yeah, we all do it. We all do it. You know, don't take things personally. You know. But another good book to read, uh, if, if you're looking to build confidence, I think. Would Would you say that's a confidence builder? Absolutely. Uh, okay, but speaking of that, uh, I wanted to end this episode with another Neville Goddard. Uh, X script. It is only one page, front and back, one page. So it won't be as long as last time, I promise. And I'll do my best to keep it entertaining. Um, but this ties in with the light body thing because he he talks about light being consciousness. And this uh, the the chapter is called "I Am," which I think is fitting. Um, it's the first chapter in his book entitled "The Power of Awareness." originally published in 1952. And he starts out with a uh, quoting a Bible verse. All things, when they are admitted, are made manifest by the light. For everything that is made manifest is light. And that's from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13. 
And then he says, the light is consciousness. He puts light in quotes to reference the above quote. Consciousness is one, manifesting in the legions or forms of levels of consciousness. There is no one that is not all that is. For consciousness, though expressed in an infinite series of levels, is not divisional. There is no real separation or gap in consciousness. I am cannot be divided. I may conceive myself to be a rich man, a poor man, a beggar man, or a thief, but the center of my being remains the same, regardless of the concept I hold of myself. At the center of manifestation, there is only one I am, manifesting in legions or forms of concepts of itself, and I am that I am. I am is the self-definition of the absolute, the foundation on which everything rests. I am is the first cause substance. I am is the self-definition of God. I am that I am. Exodus chapter 3.14, I am hath sent me to you. 314 is also pi, the abbreviation of pi, approximation. Um, and he quotes Psalm 46, chapter 10, or verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. I am. I am is a feeling of permanent awareness. The very center of consciousness is the feeling of I am. I may forget who I am, where I am, what I am, but I cannot forget that I am. The awareness of being remains, regardless of the degree of forgetfulness of who, where, and what I am. I am is that which, amid unnumbered forms, is ever the same. This great discovery of cause reveals that, good or bad, man is actually the arbiter of his own fate, and that it is his concept of himself that determines the world in which he lives. And this concept of himself is his reactions to life. In other words, if you are experiencing ill health, knowing the truth about cause, you cannot attribute the illness to anything other than to the particular arrangement of the basic cause substance, an arrangement which was produced by your reactions to life and is defined by your concept, I am unwell. This is why you are told, let the weak man say, I am strong. It's Joel chapter 3 verse 10. For by his assumption, the cause substance, I am, is rearranged and must, therefore, manifest that which its rearrangement affirms. This principle governs every aspect of your life, be it social, financial, intellectual, or spiritual. I am is that reality to which, whatever happens, we must turn to, we must turn for an explanation of the phenomena of life. It is I am's concept of itself that determines the form and scenery of its existence. Everything depends upon attitude towards itself. That which it will not affirm as true of itself cannot awaken in its world. That is, your concept of yourself, such as I am strong, I am secure, I am loved, determines the world in which you live. In other words, when you say, I am a man, I am a father, I am an American, you are not defining different I am's. You are defining different concepts or arrangements of the one cause substance, the one I am. Even in the phenomena of nature, if the tree were articulate, it would say, I am a tree, I am an apple tree, a fruitful tree. When you know that, when you know that consciousness is the one and only reality, 
conceiving itself to be something good, bad, or indifferent, and becoming that which it conceives itself to be, you are free from the tyranny of second causes, free from the belief that there are causes outside of your, outside of your own mind that can affect your life. In the state of consciousness of the individual is found the explanation of the phenomena of life. If man's concept of himself were different, everything in his world would be different. His concept of himself being what it is, everything in his world must be as it is. Thus, it is abundantly clear that there is only one I am, and you are that I am. And while I am is infinite, you, by your concept of yourself, are displaying only a limited aspect of the infinite I am. He ends with a poem here. I'll read it real quickly. It's by Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr. from the Chambered Nautilus. Build thee more stately mansions, O my soul, as the swift seasons roll. Leave thy low-vaulted past. Let each new temple, nobler than the last, shut thee from heaven with a dome more vast than thou at length art till thou at length art free leaving thine outgrown shell by life's unresting sea all right and that is from Neville Goddard's uh, the collection of his all 10 books by modern master it's one of my go-to books now that I've since ended 13 questions I read that whole thing and then started this so it's been a big impact on me and I hope you guys found that uh, enlightening confidence building you tell me the yeah, I am statement man. is always a, good. a fun exercise right I mean it because it does manifest whatever you put after it so well if you are always the same thing, you are always part of everything around you, no matter the, you know, the, what you think is an end is not your, you are, you are, you are part of this and you will always be part of this. This is your current manifestation. And when you can wrap your mind around that, then fear can disappear. Absolutely. Being realizing be, you know, the, the oneness with, with the all, but it is, a fun and easy spell to cast if you want to create new waves in your reality because you can place whatever you wish after mm -hmm. the statement of I am and then buckle up. Yeah. Speaking of abracadabra, right? Exactly. Yeah. The I am is the God power inside of you. This is why Christ uh, most powerful statements were made through the I am. It's God individualized in you. So mm -hmm. it is basically connecting with your God self, your God power. And like you said, everything you say through the I am has to happen. It has to. The only way it doesn't happen is if you have that 0.001% doubt inside of you, then it won't happen. It all starts with being well. It doesn't start with it starts with being impeccable with your thoughts, which is harder to do, I think, than being impeccable with your word. Oh, absolutely, I agree with that a hundred percent. All right, guys, I think we're coming up on two hours now. So, any last minute, uh, any any last minute minutes? 
Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us, everybody here and everybody that's listening after the fact. Remember that there are no victims. There are only volunteers. And until next time, Chrononauts, carpe diem.